episode 37, Hey Love Podcast. I have learned so much of my life that it's not okay to ask for help. And I'm learning now that, oh my gosh, we can't do this alone. We really need people in our lives. And I'm typically very self-sufficient. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging the introverted woman in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey, love, I want you to know I just now started unpacking and organizing my office. You may be asking the question right about now, how long exactly did you move into this house, Carthy? Well, that would be a reasonable question. Well, we moved in here exactly two years ago this week. Pathetic. I know. It was really easy for me to keep putting off doing this front room because I never come in the front door. I always come in through the garage, so that's my big excuse. Also, I like to do my work, basically all my typing, standing up at the kitchen, at the dining table, which it's taller. I think it's called a cafe table. It's like the same height as your kitchen counter. So I like to stand there whenever I'm writing or editing for the podcast or writing for my book, and I record my commentary part in the bedroom closet. That's actually my favorite room in the house. It's quiet and cozy, and I'm surrounded by clothes, which absorb all the sound. It's really ironic because we do have a full studio in the house, but I prefer my closet. Go figure. Call me crazy. I don't know. Anyway, the office is the room right off the front door. And for two years, every time somebody walks in, I try to distract, you know, like take them into the living room. Come over here and look at this great view out our window. But I don't have to do that anymore because the front room is finally up and running. It's so great. I made the decision to attack that room a few weeks ago. I wrote it down, which takes it to a whole new level of commitment for me. And I mentioned it to a friend who's an expert in cleaning and organizing. She could tell I was a little overwhelmed by the size of this task and asked me if she could just come over and help. What a sweetheart. I did not pass her up on it. We nailed down a date. She wrote it down on her calendar, and she came over here, and we just tore it up. We had a blast. I thought it was going to take forever. Like, I blocked out five hours and kind of dreaded it. You know, I was thinking, I'm going to be stuck in here doing this all day. But if, <laughs> but I felt accountable since my friend was coming over to help, and, you know, it really did not take that long at all. And like, I think it was just under two hours. I could not believe all that we had accomplished. We cleared out all the old files from the filing cabinet. We moved furniture around. We put together a giveaway pile, a garbage pile, and a pile to file later. And after she left, I just kept going. I I hung up a couple of things on the wall. I felt so motivated. It looks so good in there now. I find myself, I keep going back in there, and I just stand there and stare. It feels so good. I am so proud of that room now. I had been embarrassed of it, and now it looks like a work of art. I'll be posting a picture on Instagram. Shoot, you know, I should have taken a before picture. Didn't think to do that. That would have been really good. So two things about this. I learned that if I have a job or a project that is outside my zone of expertise, it's okay to ask for help. It's good to ask for help. You know, I want to add to that. It's maybe not just when you're 
when you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe it's when it's just a project you want to get done. Whether it's outside your comfort zone or right in the pocket, you know, right in your zone, call for help. You may remember um, in the introductory episode, which was a whole 36 episodes ago. Wow, that is crazy. I can't even believe that. I mentioned in that episode that two draft horses, when they're pulling a load together, they can actually put, they can actually pull four times the weight that just one draft horse can pull on its own. The math does not add up. And the formula goes for humans too. I I could not believe how much more productive I felt with my friend helping me. It felt like we got the work done of four women or four draft horses. So lesson one, ask for help. And lesson two, call it what it is. My friend helped me realize that the space that I was calling an office is really a room to store office-y kind of things. Like we have the printer in there and a desk in there with all these important papers and nice, neat little packets now and pens and pencils and school supplies and the file cabinets in there. Also, my elliptical machine, which I've used exactly three times in two years. (laughs) Now I have just this sweet little partition thingy I found at Hobby Lobby and it's and the elliptical's hiding behind there, which is a perfect solution for now until the day I decide, you know what, I'm going to sell this thing because I will never, ever use it. But I'm not there yet. I'm just taking baby steps here. So I know that organizer type people and TV shows always say to take out everything out of the room first. But once I embraced the reality of this being a storage room, I didn't feel the need to do that. So we left the big things where they were, and we made a little area for Blair's equipment because what was happening was he would just sort of drop pieces of gear in whenever he came home from a session. Most of the time he works here at home, but every once in a while, if he's got a session somewhere in town or if he's playing out somewhere out of town, he has these certain portable pieces of gear that he takes with him. Then he comes in, he just sort of drops them in that front room, which is totally understandable. I get that. So instead of fighting all this, we made him a spot for all that kind of gear stuff. One of his keyboards used to be out in the middle of the room and we'd have to walk around it. And so we just sort of scooched it up against the wall. My son helped. And we put a cute little box on top of it. And it all looks like it belongs there now. It's great. I think trying to make that room into an office where I actually would work never just, it just never felt right to me. And that's okay because I like the other little spots in my house where I do get to work. And I kind of, I kind of like being out there where my kids come in and out with their laundry and eat their snacks. So now that front room actually functions great for all of us. I can now call it what it is. It's a storage room, but it's a beautiful storage room to me anyway. When you see the picture on Instagram, you'll probably be like, um, what's the big deal? What's she all excited about? It's probably, it's probably not going to be like I'm making it sound like, you know, Pottery Barn or something. You're going to be like, that's not that great. You know, that looks kind of like the clearance aisle at Target or something, (laughs) but it's beautiful to me. And the point is we're all drawn to beauty and order. There is no denying it. You know, scripture says that God has set eternity in our hearts. I believe that he deposited an interest in our hearts for beauty and order too. So now when I clean my house, I call it creating beauty instead of cleaning house. 
That's actually a term I wrote down in my journal a few years ago while I was taking an art class. The class was taught by these radiantly beautiful women, Amy and Tiffany, and this group. We went through this book called Waking Up Gray, written by another radiantly beautiful woman named Jenny. I'd never met Jenny before, but I'd heard several of my friends rave about her class and her book. So I signed up because my counselor at the time kept telling me that I needed to learn how to play. I needed a hobby. I didn't see the point of learning a hobby. And he was like, exactly. This is exactly why I keep telling you, you need a hobby. You need to learn how to play. So I show up for this class, and it was like I had just stepped off a Concord in a foreign land somewhere on the other side of the world. These women were so welcoming and encouraging, and they could tell that I was kind of intimidated because I literally could not draw a stick figure, still can't, and I kept wondering, what am I even doing here? But they just made me feel so at home, like I belonged. Taking that art class opened up a whole new world to me as far as creativity goes, and also intimacy with Jesus. It was a pivotal point in my spiritual walk. One of my favorite takeaways is creativity is a stroll with the Lord, an overflow of my spending time with Jesus gazing into his eyes. It was in that Waking Up Gray class that I learned for the first time that I could actually write, and that writing is an is a valid art form. I had no idea. I just found out that Jenny, who's now a dear friend of mine, finished her updated version of the workbook. I am so excited for you to hear in this first half of her interview how the idea came to her for the book, how it's evolved over the years, and what it's meant to her in her own faith walk. I'll tell you, when this woman talks, she has a very soothing, calming factor about her. But when she's talking about creativity and beauty and order in Jesus, there is a hush in the room. She almost is whispering with a reverence that's so palpable, it makes me want to whisper too. So listen close, because here to tell you all about these wonderful things and the importance of wasting a little time now and then is the lovely and talented Jenny Scutt. She's going to kick off our conversation by explaining an ancient art medium to a woman who's mm, rather ignorant <laughs> about such things. Here's Jenny Scutt. It means something in Greek. What does it mean? Like heated... <laughs> hot something like that it's been around it's an ancient medium actually ancient it's traced back as far as ancient wow yeah and so you would melt a sheet of wax on top of something well i use a griddle so i plug it into the wall you know your pancake griddle Griddle. plug it into the wall yep (laughs) and i melt i've got these cakes of encaustic medium which is part like nine parts wax beeswax mm. to one part damar resin which comes from a tree and i make these cakes out of it and i just mm. melt it down right on the griddle that and is paint crazy with it and that you can add pigment to it so you have these molten paints that you mm. can use but there's all sorts of if you love like um mixed media or collage this is a great medium now, this is ringing a bell for me. Was there an exercise mm-hmm. in the Waking Up Gray class where we yes. did encaustic? I remember that now. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, I usually always, with any group that I'm doing, I will pull out the encaustic, Ooh. the griddle, the paints. Yes, I remember. Because it is such a wonderful medium. It's a very forgiving. You don't have to know how to draw or paint. Yes. That's why I to was do sold something beautiful with this. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> people kept saying, oh, you don't have to be able to draw a stick figure. Because I kept saying, I cannot. But yeah, they yeah. were right. Yes. And I really found a place where I felt safe to express Yeah, in that class. That was a real turning point for me, that class. Mm. You need to know that. Mm. I've probably told you that, but it was really um, a pivotal point for me, not just um, creatively speaking, but in my spiritual walk with Jesus. Mm. Something opened up. Wow. Yeah. It was really healing. What do you think opened up? What is that? Well, I feel like... In my culture, it's it's um, imperative that you do something, or anything you do has to have some sense of practicality, mm-hmm. and it has to be useful. So my creative bent, which, uh, first of all, Waking Up Gray is where I first learned that writing was an art form. I'd never mm. heard that, never even entered my mind before mm. that. And so when um, I was encouraged to write in that class... And I remember feeling like, oh, this is acceptable. And not just acceptable, it was laudable. I mean, I mm. felt really encouraged by my classmates to keep wow. writing. Yeah. And then when we went on that retreat with you, um, it was almost like a spiritual direction retreat. Yeah, you know? yeah. And we did a lot of silence and introspection and mm-hmm. the art that you invited us into. It was, it was really walking hand in hand with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was the experience for me. Mm. It, was, it was so beautiful. It was years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I strongly believe that. I think mm. what you just said, the walking in hand with Jesus, mm. that, that is the crux of our spiritual of our creative process, yes. right? It's this conversation. It's this locking arms yes. with this one who's so incredibly creative himself mm-hmm. in the ways that he does everything, yeah. in the way he lived his life, in the way he had conversations. Mm-hmm. Everything he touched was so creative mm-hmm. and so beautiful yeah. that when we lock arms with him, during our creative process, whatever that may look like, whether even if it's organizing a closet and bringing yes. beauty to where there might have been chaos earlier, yes. that is a that is a work of art. That is a conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember that line in, that, in that. your book. Yeah, even yeah. an organized closet is a work of art. Yeah, there was such a legitimacy about it, and mm-hmm. you're right because when I do organize a closet, every once in ten years. <laughs> I go back to that closet and just stand and breathe it in and take mm. it in and just stare. And every chance I get, I run back to that closet. Mm. <laughs> yes. It just does something to your soul. Yes, because like we, as humans, were created for beauty and we long for beauty. And when beauty has touched us, mm. it does something somewhere deep down. And it makes you more aware, like we've already said, of God's presence, and it opens your eyes to further beauty. 
Mm. Like right now, I'm looking behind your head, and all the leaves are dancing in the wind. Mm. The wind is blowing mm. like crazy because it was storming this morning. Mm-hmm. Do you like storms? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that I storm this morning. I think we talked morning. about that on that retreat. Mm. I am wild about storms. And so I was out there at 4.30 this morning watching up on this hill the lightning. It was, it was like mm. a, another 4th of July fireworks mm-hmm. display. It was mm-hmm. gorgeous. And the wind was whooping. <laughs> and I was eating it up. And every time I shouted a praise to God, I would hear more wind and more thunder <sighs> and see more light. It was like he was responding yeah, to my praise. Yes. And now he's giving me this beautiful view behind you, these mm. leaves just dancing and twirling and blowing in the wind. And I, I don't know that I would have appreciated that before really letting that space open up in me. Yeah. For beauty. Yeah. I think we, at least I did, I kind of ignored that. Yeah. And then when you, when you start awakening to it, yeah. you see it everywhere. Yeah. It's like you can't get, a, I mean, it's so my true. kids will laugh at me <laughs> because we'll be driving down the road or something and it'll be, you know, towards dusk when all the, the shadows are long mm. and the colors in the sky are just off the charts gorgeous yes and i'll be like look at the purple look at the purple and they're like mom there is no purple in there where are you seeing purple they just or every time we see a deer you know like i can't help but just gasp a little bit yeah and i don't know that i would have done that even 10 Mm. years ago yeah i get it but but when beauty has touched your soul in some like life-changing, transformative way, mm-hmm. it's there for good. Mm-hmm. And there's a way. There's a way that you look at life mm. after that that says, "What's beautiful about this? Or where can I go that beauty will linger, mm. and that I can be somehow part of it, somehow yeah. touched by it." And how can I create it? Because we are really, yeah. really called to and meant to create beauty. Like mm. we actually participate in bringing beauty into the world. What a what an idea! What a what concept. an idea! Yeah. So tell me, is that what compelled you to write your book, Wake yeah. It Up Great? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was after my fourth child was born, and I remember I was just feeling, you know, I knew I had been creative. Mm-hmm. Like, I can look back over little pockets of my life. I, I remember being like 10 years old, mm-hmm. and my mama had all these old wallpaper books. And it was summertime, and I was like, oh my gosh, these are so cool. What can I do with these? And I remember cutting these little things out and making these little change purses. And I would really? sew the sides up together, and I would sew buttons onto them, and wow. I would take them out to the neighborhood pool and try to sell them. Wow. Like, it was just something. I, I loved making things with my hands. I always have. And after I had my fourth kiddo, I felt like, the only way I can describe it is like, I felt like I was an ice cube in a warm drink. Mm. Like it's, I felt like this, this creative longing in me is deteriorating and I want to do something before it's like completely nowhere to be found. Mm. Wow. So I heard about this book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Yes. And I picked it up and I decided I was going to go through that 
and I asked my husband for six hours a week Hmm. to just go explore. If I needed to go to the bookstore and just write my thoughts, journal down what this book is, is speaking to me. Maybe it's going ice skating for the night because Mm. that felt like play and I Mm. wanted to start tapping into how do I play? What does that look like? Maybe it's ice skating. Maybe it's coloring. I ended up taking a drawing class at the local, Mm. uh, the rec center and about the ninth week in and mind you, okay, my last art class was in seventh grade. And I loved that art class. I loved it. Mr. McBride was the best. And everything we did, I just ate it. I loved it. I don't know why I never took another art class. I think think visual art in my family was a little scary. Mm. Music was okay as a creative outlet. Hmm. But visual, like artists are dark and eccentric and (laughs) creepy, you know. It was just this idea that we don't really need that. We don't really need that. So... I just didn't do it. Mm. And then so about the ninth week in this in this drawing class, I remember drawing a picture of my child, of my baby. Mm. She was, you know, just a baby at the time. And it started emerging from the page. And I remember my teacher going, oh, my gosh, you have to be really careful. Be careful with how you treat that. Don't touch it. Don't, like, <laughs> it's really good. Like it was an alive like, thing. Like, wow. it's good? Really? Oh. And I kind of... Yeah, this is this is pretty decent. I can't believe this That's is coming great. out of me. Oh. And I remember feeling somewhat celebratory, and like there was an excavation that happened. I had no idea that mm. I could put something down on paper and it not look like an alien. <laughs> like that was shocking to me. That's awesome. And so this that moment led me into further exploration and Mm. I ended up going back to school. I never finished my college degree. Wow. I ended up finishing my college degree, getting a fine arts degree, learning how to paint, writing a book, watching other people like come alive to their own creative story. Like all of these things began to happen because of my own process of being brushed up against beauty and wanting more of it and asking for more of it. Mm. And it just became this continual unfolding. It's still unfolding. Mm. You know, it's still, I'm like wondering what's going to happen today. Mm. What is, what is, what do I want to be about today? How am I going to, how am I going to bring more beauty into the world today? And what's that going to look like? I mean, it's a, it sounds like such a childlike wonder approach to life. You know, that's yeah. just such a lovely way to live. Yeah. To it's hard to, to get there yeah. as, as grown-ups. Yeah, We don't let ourselves get there. But I think it's absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. It takes discipline to be a child. Ironically, <laughs> yes. That's wild. Yeah. 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 It takes discipline to let go of our filters mm-hmm. and our preconceived, you know, I mean, if we sit down before a blank piece of paper or canvas mm-hmm. and we sit down as a grown up, we have an agenda. Mm-hmm. We just do. If I'm going to validate my time, like you were saying earlier, if, if this process is productive, mm-hmm. if it's valuable in the way the world thinks of it 
mm-hmm. then I can kind of give myself permission to do this. Mm-hmm. That's right. kind of the way we approach it. But if we can approach it by go by saying, I'm going to waste a little time Ooh. and I'm going to enjoy myself. That sounds I'm going to waste a little time today. Yeah. That is so attractive to me. Yeah. It sounds really healthy. Yeah, I think it is. I love that you say it sounds attractive Mm -hmm. because that's giving yourself permission. Mm -hmm. I can hear protests when I say I'm going to waste a little time. Uh Uh-huh. The protests immediately come up like, what? You're going to waste time? Mm-hmm. But efficiency is what we're all about, right? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. We worship efficiency. We do. Jenny, who was one woman who helped shape your character? Well, of course, I would need to say by my mom, but I'm not going to say my mom right now. She, she's in my book. Um, the, the person that comes to my mind is my dear friend Sharon Thompson. Mm. She... We live away from both sets of grandparents. So my kids my kids know both of their grandparents on a sort of very peripheral level. Mm-hmm. Sadly, mm-hmm. I wish they were in their lives a lot more than they are. Mm-hmm. But I think geographically, it just doesn't allow for those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. My friend Sharon Thompson, she's my dear friend, but she's also, like my children call her Nana. Mm, I mean, sweet. they know her so well. She has spoken into my life in so many ways. Mm. She's like a mom to me. Nice. She has loved me so well through so much. She's a fellow artist. Her her Great. artwork is just beautiful. Mm. And she's so alive to beauty. She's one person that has taught me how to be alive to beauty. Mm. Uh, she loves horses, and I remember her saying to me one day, that she feels God's pleasure most when she's out in the pasture. Wow. Talk about wasting time. Yeah, how wonderful. Out in the pasture with God's beasts. Mm. And that's where she feels God's presence like the most palpable. Mm. She feels the pleasure of God there. And for her to even be able to say that and name it for herself Mm -hmm. made me just go, wow, okay. So where do I feel God's pleasure the mm-hmm. most? You know, it just creates the space in me of wanting to think mm-hmm. like her, wanting to approach life like her. Yeah. Um, because there's always this awareness of who God is, where mm-hmm. he is, what he's doing, how he's being with her, mm. even in her artistry. Um, in the way that she loves my children, in the way that she loves me, in the way that she loves her children. Mm. Um, she's just That's been... a gift. Well, thank you for sharing about her. Yeah. What do you hope a friend might say at your funeral someday? Far, far away. Can we skip that one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. When I was looking over... The was, questions. These questions are not... These are... These are... <laughs> penetrating questions which I so I so love that of course of course they're not going to be surfacey questions they're going to be important ones yes I wish friends could say of me that I was there for them emotionally um you described me earlier as a deep well yes absolutely you and are. that was so kind that was so oh, kind man. I'm like 
I just, that's what, mm. that's it right there. Like that I that rings true. be that for wow. the people in my life. Yeah, Thank I think you you're doing saying. that. Mm. What is your favorite Bible study of all time? It can be a story or a character, mm. too. Or a book. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the thing that's taught me most about God is Les Mis by really? Victor Hugo. Yes. And it's wow. the, it is the unabridged, like, Victor Hugo yeah, writing real of it. Now, I, I saw it on Broadway with a dear friend of mine, Tamara. Mm-hmm. We went to New York, and she treated me to wow. seeing it on Broadway, which was amazing. And I love the Liam Neeson movie, and I love the most recent movie with Hugh Jackman playing Jean Valjean. <laughs> I love all of that. you all like. Of that. Mm-hmm. But Victor Hugo's prose. The best. The best. And it taught me so much about God and his heart and... Mm. I think I think the one carry away for me in that is the idea of love over law. Mm. And the antagonist in that, Javert, the guy mm-hmm. who was chasing the prisoner, mm-hmm. could not live in the tension, could mm. not show mercy, mm. had to have the law above all else, could not do, I mean, ended his life because of that. It just didn't compute for him. He could not Grace. function in that world. And to me, it's just this juxtaposition of, of this lawmaker, lawkeeper, mm-hmm. and here's this prisoner who totally got it. Yeah. He could live in that world because he was shown great mercy. Yes. And so he could he could break the law in this beautiful way. Mm. And then receive the grace. Yeah. Yeah. And then the way that he extended it out mm. in his life. Mm. You know, those who have been given much. Um, required much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I think that was probably the story that tells me most about I love it. God's heart toward us. Yeah. What do you wish you could tell a 25-year-old version of yourself about <laughs> relationships? She's already laughing. Oh, yes. I have one for you, little child, because, oh my gosh, at 20 and 20, we're babies. We just don't yes. know what we're doing yet. It's so true. Uh, the biggest thing <laughs> I would tell my 20, 25-year-old self is it's okay to ask for help. Mm, good. I am still learning that. I have learned so much of my life that it's not okay to ask for help Mm -hmm. and I'm learning now that oh my gosh we can't do this alone Mm. we really need people in our lives and I'm typically I'm typically very Mm self-sufficient I do solitude way more easily than community Mm -hmm. and so for me to ask for help yep is like gargantuan yeah it's unnatural yeah. And it's another discipline. Yeah. It's definitely a discipline. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Did you love her answer to the favorite study question? Lame is, is what taught her about the character of God, how it's love over law. What a picture of grace. The free man didn't get it, and the prisoner did get it. It sounds so like Jesus' words about the ones who are blind or sick. 
They're the ones who, who know they need a physician. They're the ones he really came for. I love it. If God can speak through a donkey or a rock, I know he can speak to us through a good story. I can think of a handful of books and plays and movies I would put in that category right off the top of my head. Art really can point us to the master creator. All creativity flows down from him. It can get distorted and twisted and perverted once it gets down here into our hands, into our human hands, but God is the source from which all beauty flows. Jenny talks about all these things in her book and about how God delights in just the very essence of you, just because you're his creation. A long time ago, God showed me this. My son, who was really, really little at the time, was learning how to swim. He would stand on the edge of the pool and jump into the water over and over again. And every single time, he would yell the same thing, Watch me, Mommy. He knew that I delighted in him so much. So even this simple little trick brought sheer joy to my soul just because he's mine, you know? And I I could see that he saw it in my eyes all 150 times a day, all day, every day, all summer long. Many, many years later, he started working at Publix, his first job at the age of 14. I would go spy on him a couple of times a week. There's my boy. I would talk to myself and the Lord sometimes. It was a mix between the two. Look, Lord, he's pushing that lady's cart. Oh, he's talking to her little one. Oh, how sweet. I wonder what he's saying. Oh, he is so adorable. Look at that little girl. She just grinned up at him. Did you see that, God? I am so proud of my son. Even though all he's doing is pushing a cart. That's it. That's all he was doing. One time I was spying the cute cart pusher. And the father reminded me of Jesus' baptism where he announced, This is my son. I am so proud of him. And then the Spirit brought it home to me. You are my daughter with whom I'm also well pleased. Wow. Blew my mind. We had, this, we had the same conversation every single time. It was doing a number on my soul. I would write down the same message every time in my journal. So the last parking place in the Fieldstone Farms Publix parking lot became like my little sanctuary. My life is no longer about proving my worth like it used to be or getting people to agree with me or like me or building some reputation or making my own name known. It's so different now. It's all about making his name known in creative ways and living a life of love from a place of rest. Knowing God and enjoying him forever with our gifts and talents, that's it. That is the stuff of life. When we acknowledge our gifts and talents, you know, we're not boasting on anybody but the creator who is the one who deposited and wired those gifts into us in the first place. Anytime you use the word gift, you're, you're attributing it to someone else, you know? So, love, what is the thing that makes you feel the pleasure of God? When do you know that you know that you know that God is delighting in you, in the very, in the very essence of you? When we get this, it turns everything upside down in our lives, especially creative expression. Each of us is a creative expression of God, and each of us is precious just because we're His, in just our being us, His children. 
We don't need to toil to please God anymore with our art or our work. He's pleased with us just because we're His. When we get this straight, then everything we create, everything we do, every act of love is like a big thank you to Him. I wanted to update you on my plans for our renewal of our vow ceremony thingy that we're doing for our 25th anniversary. It's coming along. I'm so excited. It's just going to be this little gathering of our marriage class family. I got the dress this week. It's really cute. And no, I did not fit back into my size four wedding gown. I kind of had a feeling I wouldn't, and that's okay. 25 years later, it's all right. But I did get a new dress, and that's always fun. New shoes, and um, it's a real casual. I was thinking about going barefoot because it's going to be outside. But my friend's backyard where we're going to be holding the ceremony and getting baptized, you know, there's a pool, but there's also a lot of rocks. And it wouldn't be very practical to walk around barefoot for me anyway. So I'm wearing shoes, but they're not you know, stilts or anything. They're um, kind of a low heel. And this dress I'm really excited about. It's white cotton, kind of flowy, you know, uh, crepey, whatever, uh, like shrug that goes over top of it. It's really sweet. It's very casual, outdoorsy, flowy. It's exactly what I was looking for. I let go of the Indian um, sari salvar kameez idea since we are going to be doing it in July outside. (laughs) And I thought, I will be melting. If I have a single hot flash, which I have them on average about once every hour, I will melt into the pool. I'll just like jump in. And, you know, I don't want to mess my hair up before the baptism part. So anyway, I'm really excited. Wish you could come. I'm going to link to the books that Jenny mentioned. Lame is the Victor Hugo one. Artist Way by Julia Cameron. And of course, Waking Up Gray by Jenny Scott. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you're feeling inspired to go create somehow. Maybe go clean out a closet or organize your storage room or paint or sculpt or write. (laughs) Whatever it is that makes you feel the pleasure of God, go do it. Go play. Go waste some time today. And go check out Jenny's artwork, JennyScutArt.com. That's spelled J-E-N-N-I-E, Scut, S-C-H-U-T, Art.com. Or sign up for one of her retreats at FlyForward.org. They're amazing every time. Also, leave a review. Tell us what you like about this episode. And tune in next week for part two of this interview, where Jenny is going to tell us why she thinks that Christians are sometimes too quick to forgive. Ooh, there's a story there. Just some little ways for you to live out love. Till next time. Bye, love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. Episode 37, Hey Love Podcast. Is that right? Is this 37? Oh my gosh, I cannot remember.